What's up, Next Level? Good morning, everybody. My name is Matt Keller. I am the lead pastor here. And it's so good to be home. Wow. I feel like I have not been here forever. My wife and I, for the last two weeks, have been in Minnesota, up there working in Minnesota. Don't you know? <laughs> Okie dokie. And uh, we have been working up there the first weekend over Father's Day. We're with uh, some church planners um, in South St. Paul, basically, Minnesota, and doing church in a movie theater. And we're just coaching them and helping them. And it was great to be in their church. And then last weekend, uh, we were at a church called Substance Church that's a part of the Ark. They're both a part of the Ark, the Association of Related Churches that we're a part of. And so last Sunday, we were uh, with Substance Church and our friends Peter and Carolyn Haas. And hopefully, you'll meet them in January sometime. They'll be down. But um, here's kind of a quick story on, on Substance Church and Peter and Carolyn. They're a church about our size. Um, they're about three and a half years old, and they've been meeting um, in a small ballroom on the University of Minnesota campus right downtown Minneapolis. And they, when we met with them in, in February, we were together in Fort Lauderdale for, for a conference thing, and we were at Cheesecake Factory talking, and they were sharing with us, you know, we're doing three services in this little ballroom on campus at U of M, and we really, you know, are believing God for a space, because we were telling them, like, our high school and stuff, and they're like, man, we're really believing God for that. And they said, well, there's actually this one high school that has an auditorium like this, and just awesome, but... Um, we've asked them twice and they've said no. And so, you know, man, we just were really, we wish we could move type of thing. And so we're sitting at Cheesecake Factory. It's like 11 o'clock at night. And like this like gift of faith thing just wells up inside of me. And I looked at Peter and Carolyn. I'm like, you guys, God's going to give you that high school. We're going to, come on, we're going to pray right now. And they're kind of looking at me like, bro, it's just cheesecake. Just everybody just calm down. And I'm like, come on, let's pray. So we're like right there, just like doing the whole join the hands thing because Matt's a hand holder. I'm like, come on, we're going to pray right now. And so we started praying. And by the end of the prayer, I'm like, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, and Peter looks at me and he's like, well, all right. Okay. I'm like, God's going to do it, man. Come on. So they go home to Minnesota. And over the next few weeks, they approach the school board again. And sure enough, God makes it happen. So Peter calls me and he says, we're moving in on June the 22nd. And we want you to come since you prayed us into that place. We want you to come and preach the opening Sunday. So I got to do two services last Sunday in uh, Fridley High School, which is a similar auditorium like this in North Minneapolis, Minnesota. So it was great to be away, great to encourage them and be a part of some great churches, but guys, i got to be honest with you, there's no place like home. Dorothy was right. And it is great to be home with you guys. It is great to be here. We love Next Level, and we think you guys are just like the greatest people ever. So um, anyway, this is part five of our GPS series. And uh, we are so excited because we're talking about navigating through the Bible. And four weeks ago, we began this series by talking about the fact that, that this book, the Bible, is God's life GPS for us. And that inside of this book, it's no ordinary book, it's a supernatural book. And inside of this book holds the key to a better life than we could ever come up with on our own. That if we try really, really hard to make our own plans and form our own directions, it'll never match up to God's plan and God's direction for our life. And then in part two, we talked about coming across that line and committing to it, that that spending time daily in this book is not an option for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that it's, it's not enough for us to just let someone else feed us. It's not enough for us to just haphazardly approach this book, that we've got to do whatever we can to build a fence around that, that deep place of our heart that connects with God on a daily basis. We've got to commit to saying, okay, I want this book to guard the root system of my life or else the foot traffic of our life is going to destroy us. 
In part three, we talked about the fact that we can't leave home without it. That we've got to get this book so inside of our heart that no matter where we go, no matter who we talk to, no matter what we face, this book and the principles of it are so inside of us that they help us navigate through our life. And then last week, Scott talked about um, this book being like a present. And that this book has the ability, when unwrapped properly, to absolutely change our life just like a a fantastic present would do. Well, today is the culmination of this series. And so all leading up through this series, we've been telling you that we want to give you a very practical how-to way to study this book, how to get this Bible, our life GPS, down inside of our heart. And so that's where we're going this morning is we're digging into this book and we're saying we gotta, 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 gotta have it on a daily basis. And here's the reason why. Because when we were in Minnesota, I had my GPS with us for like 10 or 11 days. And I'm telling you, I use that thing all over. And it was great because it sort of took the pressure off. I mean, I didn't have to think about directions or anything. I just, everybody kept going, now do you need directions to wherever? And I'm like, no, I'm good. I got a little Susie. She'll get me there safe and sound. Everything's going to be fine. In fact, and don't tell Peter this, the one time we're going to the Twins game on Thursday, and, you know, their church is downtown, and he's like, okay, there are some parking garages you don't want to park in. So so he draws me out a map. The one time I don't use my GPS... I got lost. No lie. My wife will vouch for me. We're like across the river and she's going, I don't think this is the right direction. I'm like, I know it's not right. I was so, I was like, oh, why? See, we have to be intentional every time, every day. We got to be intentional. So today we're talking about four ideas that got to be in place if we're going to involve God's word in our life on a daily basis. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 10, because the first thing we're going to talk about today is priority. That um, making time with God, spending time in God's Word, must be a priority for us. And in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, we read a story about Jesus, and he's, he goes to this, um, the home of two ladies, Martha and Mary, and inside of this story, we begin to see uh, this amazing principle kind of unlock itself. So check this out, because if we're going to spend time in God's Word, then number one, it's got to be a priority. Look at this, verse 38 says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So basically, here's what's going on. Jesus comes to Mary and Martha's house, and he sits down and he begins to teach the people who are there. And Mary, the one sister, apparently is sitting at the feet of Jesus just listening to the teachings. And Martha on the other hand, is scurrying a boat. And so Martha is is scurrying around and we're going to have spent too long in Minnesota. So Martha's doing all of this stuff and just making all these preparations and just dealing with all these distractions and all of this stuff. And she looks over and she sees Mary just kind of sitting at the feet of Jesus and so she's a little perplexed by the whole deal. So instead of letting it cause a root of bitterness in her heart, she comes to the Lord and she's like, and you kind of like the fact that Martha's thinking, Kick him, You're, you know, kick her, do something. And so she's like, Lord, how come she, can't you see, look, look at me, how busy I am. Look at all of the stuff I'm doing. And my sister is just sitting there at your feet. Tell her to help me. And look at what Jesus replies in verse 41. Look at this. 
Martha, Martha. <laughs> the Lord answered. <laughs> Just like that, it's a bad wedding reception. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. Wow. Movie clips of Jerry Maguire going through my head right now. Let it go, brother. <laughs> Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. And then look, he makes a statement. But few things are needed. And then look at this part right here. Indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better and is, and is not, it will not be taken from her. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, listen, of all of the things that we do in a day's time, of all of that that has the ability to, to be about in our life, there are a million and one distractions and preparations every single day that all of us can be a part of. And notice that Jesus doesn't condemn that. He doesn't say that what Martha was doing was bad. He simply says that there is one thing one thing that has to be the priority of our life every single day. And that is sitting at Jesus' feet. He says, that's the priority. That's the thing that no matter how many distractions come your way on a daily basis, none of those distractions can ever take away that those few moments every day when we sit at the feet of Jesus and we read God's Word and we apply it to our life. Jesus says nothing else compares to that. See, I believe that that's true for every one of us. Every single day, there are distractions that we face in our life. There are a million and one things to get done, aren't there? Preparations like Martha had that we got to be about. And Jesus is basically saying to all of us listening today, you know what? If you're waiting for time to just appear, if you're waiting for your boss to call you in and be like, hey, why don't you take the next 20 or 30 minutes every day and we'll pay you and you just study the Bible. Although that's a dream world, it's never going to happen, is it? And in fact, all of the other distractions will actually war against the one thing that only we can do, and that is prioritize a daily time in this book. So number one, it's got to be priority. What's the second idea that's got to be in place on, on how to make this daily time with God something? And I would say it th- this way, it's preparedness. Number two, we've got to come in prepared. In other words, when we come into our daily time in God's Word, when we start to read the Bible and apply it to our life, we got to come in expecting that God's going to say something profound and life-changing. I know that every single time that like, I go to a conference or I have a chance to spend some time with someone that I look up to or that's a mentor to me or that I, I have given the ability to speak into my life, every time I'm with them, I know that I always have somewhere to write something on and a pen, something to write with. That I'm, I come into the thing going, i got to take notes. You know why? Because i got to receive what they're saying. It's like, it's like right now. There are TV waves. There are satellite signals. There are cell phone signals. There are radio waves going through this room right now. Well, why can't we hear them? Because we don't have the right receiver. But if there's a direct TV signal going through here and we put up a satellite dish and hook it to a receiver, interesting word, the receiver has the ability to decipher the signal, and all of a sudden, we can watch TV. And see, I think the very same thing is true with God, that when we start talking about making this book a priority in our daily life, we've got to come in prepared. We've got to come in with this expectation in our heart that says, God, you're going to speak something profound to me, and when you do, I'm going to have a way, a mechanism to catch it, to receive it. So here's what I think. I think it requires five things for us, five things that we need to prepare for our daily time in God's Word, for our daily time with God. 
We need, number one, our Bible, of course. Secondly is a pen, something to write with. Third is a scratch pad, and I'll tell you why I think you need a scratch pad or a little sliver of paper or something. Because inevitably, here's what happens to me all the time, is I sit down to read God's Word, and I open it up, and I start to read, and I go, oh, I cannot forget, we have to call the dentist. And if I don't have somewhere to write that down... I will spend the rest of my time going, don't forget to call the dentist, don't forget to call the dentist, don't forget, oh God, that's right, wait, what's going on, where am I right now, right? So you got to have a little sheet of paper or something where you can just go, call the dentist, and then now it's down, it's out of your head, and it's just, you can be done with it. So you got to have a scratch pad, and then your reading plan, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes, and then your journal. And what is a journal? It's simply a notebook of blank paper. Now, I know what you're thinking, because I used to think it too, and that is, bro, seriously, are we all really junior high girls that we're going to get our little pink diaries out, and just we're all just going to journal together? (laughs) Here's what I know. I know that every staff member on our church staff knows that whenever they come in to meet with me, they need to have a pad of paper and something to write with, because in that meeting, something is going to get said that we're going to want to remember and make sure that we can reflect on. I recognize that it is possible that some of us are so awesome that we don't need a receiver mechanism. In fact, you're probably the guy who stands in your backyard like this. And when your neighbor comes out and goes, what are you doing? You go, I'm watching an NFL game on direct TV because I'm awesome. Because I don't need a receiver. I got everything I need right here and right here. I can receive and decipher the signal, baby. I'm go- Hang on, third and long. Right? No. No, it doesn't work that way. We got to have a place for the signal to get received and decoded and deciphered. And that's exactly what a journal is for us. It's a place where we can simply systematically create space. Where when God speaks to our heart, because we come in expecting Him to speak, when He speaks to our heart, we have a place to catch it, a place to receive it, and we go, wow, check that out. That's preparedness. That's what God wants us to do. When we come into this time, it's, think of it. We're meeting with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for 15, 20, 30 minutes a day, whatever. How dare us not come in and be like, no, I'm good. I don't need to write anything down. Come on, this is God's word. He wants to speak to our hearts. So we've got to have a place to catch it. So put the whole junior high girls in a pink diary away and just, just get yourself a manly brown journal and just be like, yeah, what's up now? Real men carry journals. There's a T-shirt. So it's got to be a priority. Number two, we've got to come in prepared. If we're going to get the most out of our daily time with God, then in God's word, we've got to come in prepared. Number three, then, we need a plan. We've got to have a plan. And this is the big culmination right here. I want to make it so simple for you today to daily spend time in God's Word that His Word will come alive in your heart like you've never known. And I'm telling you, three months or so now, I've been doing this every day, and it is like crazy how God just speaks to me from His Word every day. I'm telling you, without fail, it works, it works, it works, it works. And see, here's what I know. I know that God's desire is that every one of us who call ourselves a Christian, who are a follower of Jesus... God's ultimate desire is that we be self-feeders. That's his intention. He wants us to be able to feed ourselves spiritually from his word. And wives, you know what I'm talking about right now. Your husband's sitting on the couch watching the game. He gets a little hungry. You're off doing something important in the house, and he would tell you he is too. And all of a sudden he goes, Honey! Yeah. We got anything to eat? 
Yeah, there's chips and salsa in the pantry. What's the next thing out of his mouth? Think you could get that for me? I mean, this is important. I know, quit doing the laundry for a second. Tend to my needs. And when he asks you, ladies, come on. I'm about to preach now. Come on. When he asks you, can you get up and get those for me? What is the proper marital response? Now, careful now. Don't get ahead of yourself. He's, look at that. Just like that, it's marriage counseling right here. Start the clock. Ding. The proper response, ladies, is get it yourself. Right? Get up. You hungry? Get up and feed yourself. Well, here's what I think. I think some of us are going, Matt, I'm hungry. Feed me. And God would say to us, I've given you my word. Feed yourself. That's what I think God is up to. And now here's the plan. This is the best part about it. You want chips and salsa, easy spirituality? Here you go, baby. This will nourish your soul. This is awesome stuff. What's the plan? The plan is as easy as soap. S-O-A-P. S-O-A-P. Check this out. Let's go through it. S is for Scripture. Scripture. This is where we start. This is why we put together this New Testament reading guide. We basically figured out that if we read five days a week, so we don't even have to go seven days here. We build in margin to the program. If we do two chapters a day from the New Testament, from now to the end of the year, that all of us have the ability to read through the entire New Testament by, the, by Christmas, by the end of the year. Think of that. We can read through the entire New Testament simply by reading two chapters a day. But here's the thing I love about this plan, and I, we got this from Wayne Cordero, um, who is the guy who wrote the book Divine Mentor, pastor of the church in Hawaii. We've talked about that. Awesome guy. And, and what I love about Wayne's approach is it's so guilt-free that he basically says, you know what, if you miss a day, don't condemn yourself. Don't feel guilty. You know why? Because Satan loves to kick our tail, getting us all condemned and feeling guilty. And I've missed three days and I'm a horrible Christian and now I don't want to read my Bible because it'll just tell me how horrible a Christian I am. That's, that, is, that is not God's idea. And so what I love about this is it's so easy. And so the, if, the reading guide is basically five days a week, two chapters a day. And by Christmas, we will have all read through the entire New Testament of the Bible. So here's what you do. You start with your reading guide. You simply take it out. I always pray just a simple little prayer. Again, you don't have to be a theologian. Just, just be with God. And I'm just like, Lord, open my heart and, and speak to me today from your word. Amen. Boom. Then I just start reading. So just start reading through the chapter. And then get your pen. And as you're reading through the chapters, just start underlining phrases or verses that stick out to you. And just for me, I'm a creative guy, and so like creative words or like action words jump off the page at me. So I'm always looking for illustrative sort of words that just kind of jump. So when a verse or a phrase or something jumps off the page, just underline it. So you go through your chapter or two chapters a, 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 during the day, and then as soon as you're done with that, here's the greatest part. You go back and you pick one verse and limit yourself to just one verse. This is the best part about it. You don't have to be a theologian. We don't need you to outline the chapter. We don't need to go back to the original Greek. Don't, no, 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 no. Pick one verse that you feel like God is really just zeroing you in on for that day. And then you take your journal, you simply open it up, and you write at the top of the page the date, today's date, June 29th, 08. And then you write the two chapters that you read, you know, Colossians 3 and Matthew 1. And then don't even title it at the beginning. You know why? Because you don't really even know yet what God wants to do in your heart. It's, it's, I'm telling you, it is the coolest thing. Then, you simply do this. Just write scripture, or I just write a little S. And then write out by hand the entire verse. 
So just whatever that one verse is that you pick from your reading that day. And again, if two chapters is too much, just do one. If one chapter is too much, just do a half a chapter. Whatever. This is guilt-free, people. There are no calories in this plan. And then I just write S, Scripture, and then I write it out. Colossians 3, 5. Now, here's the thing. I like to have a little shorthand deal that I can do and abbreviate words that no one else can understand. But for me, I can write really fast that way. Don't do that. And Wayne says, you've got to slow yourself down enough that you give God time to speak to you. And trust me, as a guy who's got more energy and not enough time in my day, this whole slowing down business is the real deal. So then I simply just write it out, just write the whole verse, Colossians 3, 5, and then I just write it out by hand. Then O is observation. You simply say, what am I observing in the verse? So I wrote my scripture, and then I just... And again, you don't have to be a theologian. This doesn't have to be rocket science stuff. It doesn't have to be super deep. It's just, what, what is it about this verse that I observe that I think is important to me? Let me give you an illustration. This is one of my journals that I did personally. Um, about two months ago, I was reading through the book of Isaiah, chapter 10, and I came across verse 15, so I wrote out scripture, Isaiah 10:15. NLT is New Living Translation. That's the version of the Bible I'm studying in my personal life right now. And here's the verse I simply wrote out. But can the axe boast greater than the person who uses it? Is the saw greater than the person who saws? And for some reason, do you see the visual language in there that caught me? The axe and the saw. And all of a sudden, I'm a kid again standing next to my dad's workbench, right? And I can see the axe and I can see the saw. There it is with its silver teeth and the big brown wood handle. I can see it in my mind's eye, right? So I wrote this verse down. And then observation. This is simply what I wrote right here. The lesson Isaiah is teaching me. Hear how it's personal? Today is that the tool is never greater than the master. We are the tools. We're the saw and the axe. Yes, we've been given teeth and strength and skills, but we ultimately find our greatest usefulness in the hand of the master. How often we forget that. We try and stand on our own and try and attempt to work without recognizing that all the power resides in the hand of the master. And I can see my dad reaching down and picking up that saw and sawing something. I can see it. And I thought to myself, that there's no possible way that that saw, with all of its strength and skill and usefulness, can ever be useful outside of the hand of the master. And suddenly I begin to see myself as the saw. And I'm like, yeah, there it is. I've got to stay in the hand of the master. Look, the master knows best how to use, utilize, and handle the tools. See how that verse came alive? It was no longer just this like religious, crazy Old Testament verse in Isaiah that I don't understand. It came alive, didn't it? So here's the third part. A is for application. Scripture, write it out. Observation, again, you don't, it doesn't have to be long. You don't have to do the whole... Just, just write what you observe in the verse. And then A is application. And here we simply turn it into a question. How does this apply to my life? How does this apply to me? And here's what I wrote about that one verse. I've got to keep an utter dependence on knowing that the Master knows best how and when to use me as His tool. That if I ever try and do something in my own strength, if I think that I can just go out and saw stuff with my life and just, oh, I don't need God for this, I'm fooling myself. I've got to stay in the Master's hand. Do you see how that verse came alive right there? And then the P is for prayer. Scripture, write it out. Observation, write it out. Application, write it out. And then P is prayer. And I'm not, I've never been a big, like, write out your prayer thing. But I'm telling you, it is powerful because here's what a prayer is. Prayer is simply taking our observation and our application and turning it into a dedication. God, I observe this in your word. Here's how it applies to my life. And now I'm dedicating myself to that. And here's my prayer. God, this is what I wrote uh, that day. God, help me to understand how huge of an absolute tool I am. 
Okay, this isn't this is this is not deep theological stuff here. It's just life changing. Help me to know and remember that I am best utilized in the palm of your hand. That's not easy, but it's right. And frankly, Lord, it's the only choice. Otherwise, the tool just lays on the counter. See how simple that is? And yet it caused that scripture to come alive in my heart. I'm telling you, you can do this. This is the easiest plan I've ever come across. And again, it's guilt-free. That's the key. You've got to stay in that guilt-free zone. Because, see, watch this. If, if right now, the majority of us read our Bible zero days a week, or maybe we do read our Bible, but we, we barely ever get something significant or life-changing out of it, watch. If we simply institute this plan one day a week, we're going to move from zero personal encounters with Jesus in a year to 50 just by spending 15 or 20 minutes a, a day reading a portion of God's Word, writing it out, observing application, and dedicating ourselves in a prayer, simple prayer, we go from zero personal encounters with Jesus in a year to 50. And if we add a second day, like Universal Studios, you get the second day for free. If we add a second day, think of this, we go from zero personal encounters with Jesus to 100 personal encounters with Jesus this year. And if you add a third day or a fourth day, that's why this is so guilt-free. Because Jesus just wants us to spend time with him, to let his word into our heart in a simple format where we can apply it and see him change our life. I'm a huge John Maxwell fan. He's my leadership hero. And right now, I spend zero days a year with John Maxwell. Imagine what would happen to my leadership if I got to spend 15 or 20 minutes with John Maxwell once a week. Imagine by this time next year how my leadership would shift, how my leadership would change in my life. I like football, but I don't know a lot about it. What if I got to start spending 15 or 20 minutes once or twice a week with Peyton Manning? And just once or twice a week, for 15 or 20 minutes, we talked on the phone, and Peyton just started, he's the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, just started to, to tell me about football and this strategy and what he was thinking on this game day and, and this and that. Imagine a year from now how my understanding of football would change just by spending a day or two with Peyton Manning, 15 or 20 minutes at a time. Now, add the supernatural to it. Add the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work in our lives as followers of Jesus. What happens now when you and I go, God, I'm spending two, three, five, six, seven days a week with you, just 15, 20 minutes at a time. Imagine what begins to happen, how the power of God begins to change our lives. Why? Because we're in His Word. Think of the power that that has. It's a simple plan. But it's got to be a priority. We've got to come in prepared. We need a plan. And then finally, let me just throw at us a few possible enhancements. A few things that I think will really, really help us to enhance this whole GPS guiding our life daily, adding that intentionally in stuff. The first thing I guess I'd say is we've got to give ourselves time to make this a habit. I heard someone say some, at some point in my life that if you do something for 21 days that it has a high um, possibility of becoming a long-term habit in your life. So I would strongly encourage you to get after this 
and, and don't miss it. Just, just do whatever you have to do to carve in this time for the next three weeks or so because I'm telling you, I have a feeling that this, God's Word will begin to come alive in your heart and you'll be like, wow. I can't wait the guy who wrote the book. He said this. He goes, when I miss a day, I notice. When I miss two days, my wife and kids notice. When I miss three days, the whole world knows it. I'm telling you, it's so true. Here's another great thought with this, and, and, and that's this. Create a small group. This is a great, great thing. Maybe some of you are in small groups. Maybe you're not in small groups. Can I just encourage you? This is a great way to do this. We've been doing it as a staff. On Monday afternoons during our all-staff meeting, the first thing we do is we take about 20 minutes and we go around and everybody shares what God is speaking to them, one of their journal entries. And I cannot tell you how many times just in that simple exercise of getting together, it doesn't have to be long, it doesn't have to be drawn out, of just maybe with people you work with or people in your neighborhood or people you come to next level with, that you're reading it together and you go, this is what God spoke to me today and there, or this week, and they're reading it. I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting there and hear one of our staff members start to share from their journal writings and I'm like yeah that's a word for me too and I'm all like writing it down because why because it's there's power in that when we engage in and we have spiritual conversations with one another you don't need 12 people you don't whatever just have two or three people just just you and a couple of people you work with start reading the bible and doing the soap thing and then sit down and be like hey what's God doing in your life I'll say this this is great for marriages too because maybe once a week you need to sit down with your spouse and go, what's God doing in your heart this week? And read the scripture and read your observation and talk about it and let, let a conversation begin to flow out of what God's just speaking to you from his word. Again, if in your marriage you're having zero spiritual conversations in your home right now, just doing this once a week you're going to have 50 spiritual conversations of what's God doing in your life, honey. If your kids are old enough, get them soaping it up. Sit down as a family for 15 or 20 minutes after a meal and say, guys, let's share our journals together. What's God doing in your life? You want to teach your kids the Bible, teach them that. I believe some of us are lacking intimacy and have come to a place of stalemate in our marriage. I'm telling you, Simply instituting once a week reading this stuff together and going, wow, what's God doing in your heart? Simply opening up that conversation could bring about a revival of intimacy in your relationship. You know why? Because studying God's Word, being spiritual with another person is one of the most intimate things you can do. That's why a lot of Christian uh, writers and stuff will tell people who are dating, don't pray together until you're married. You know why? Because prayer is one of the most intimate things that you can do with somebody. And I think that maybe there are some marriages in our church that just... You just need to start soaping together in a couple of ways. <laughs> Sorry, what's going on? Where are we? Okie dokie. <laughs> Enough. Uh, here's, here's the deal. This stuff is so huge, you guys. I want you to get this. On my blog this week, mattkelleronline.com, I'm... I'm putting my actual preaching notes because I'm, I'm sure I missed some stuff. Um, because I want you every day to be able to dig through this again. Because here's what I believe. I believe that if we can get this, if we can get this soap thing down and make it a priority and come in prepared and have an easy, simple plan that anyone can execute 
and then begin to add enhancements onto that, I believe that if we can truly grab a hold of the the nuts and bolts of this stuff, this will change our lives. This will change our homes. This will change our marriages and our families. And you guys, this will change our church. Can you imagine a church where we're all reading the New Testament together over the next six months? Can you imagine what God wants to do and could do in here when the water level of all of us in our personal lives is is increasing? Can you imagine what God would want to do through us and in us? When we moved to Florida six years ago, um, my parents were still in Indiana, and I can remember having conversations for so many years with my mom, being on the phone with her, and it felt like every time I talked to her, she'd say the same thing. You know what she'd say? I'd be telling her a story about the church, or I'd be telling her a story about our kids and something new that's happening with them. And she would make the same comment every time we talked. She'd say, man, we miss you guys so much. We feel like we're missing so much of your lives. And it wasn't until last fall that my mom and dad were able to retire and move here that she stopped saying that. I feel like we're missing so much of your lives. Here's what I think. I think that the God of heaven is looking down on many of our lives and you know what he's saying? I feel like I'm missing from so many areas of your life. You guys, God wants to be our heavenly father. He wants to be intricately involved in every single day of our lives. But this isn't a case where we're waiting on Him. This is a case where He's waiting on us. And what we're talking about today is involving God intentionally in our daily life, building in a system, a plan, that gives us the ability to no longer, God, have be this faraway, distant thing that I connect with once a week on Sunday morning if I feel like getting up. When we do this, when we spend time daily in God's Word, soaping it up, we bring God near. We bring God near to our everyday life. And that's exactly what he desires. Let's stand together this morning. Next Level Church, I'm calling you to a place of commitment right now. I am throwing the gauntlet down. Will you commit to this? Will you commit to spending time every day in God's Word? Will you commit to daily inviting God in, to daily keeping that fence around the root system, that it's your deepest part of your heart? Will you make that commitment today to say, yes, I'm going to begin building this in to my life. I'm going to start soaping it up. I'm in. Here's what I know. I know that We are in a unique season as a church. And I believe that 
in years to come, we're going to look back on this day, of this season, this summer season of our church in 2008, and we're going to look back and say that was a pivotal moment. That was a, a transitional time in the life of Next Level Church because, guys, I'm telling you, and I, you can't miss next Sunday, it's there, God's put a word in my heart by way of direction and vision and where we're headed. God has something huge in store for us. But you know where it starts? It starts with each one of us individually in our hearts saying, God, I'm going to put your word first. That we're never as a body going to get where God wants us to go until we step across that line and we go, yes, yes, God's word is number one in my life. That is the priority of my life. I'm telling you guys, when this water level begins to rise, there's a flood coming in a good way. And so today as your pastor, I'm challenging you. Let's get it rocking. Let's do it. You know why? Because there's too much at stake. There's too much at stake in our community. There's too much at stake in our marriages. There's too much at stake in our kids. There's too much at stake in our world for us to go, honey, will you get me something to eat? God says, feed yourself. Will you commit with me today? I want to pray a prayer of commitment right now. And I am asking you to step up. Let's do it. Jesus, all across this room, every one of us listening today, those who are here, those who are are listening somewhere else, Lord, we pray a prayer of commitment right now. God, we commit to your word. Lord, we commit to to this plan. We commit to to writing it down, to getting a receiver, to being able to to catch what it is that you're saying. God, we commit to seeing our spiritual level rise in the next six months. God, we commit to that right now. Father, I pray that you would give us courage. Lord, I pray you'd give us courage to see small groups, God, started up all over the city in workplaces, in, in gyms, God, in schools, in homes, Lord, where small groups of people are going to start gathering together and they're going to start reflecting simply on what you're doing in their life, God. Lord, I pray for marriages, Lord, that are going to be changed because we're studying your word together. We're just, we're digging into it. Soaping. And Lord, I pray, God, on behalf of everyone listening right now, we just come across this line and we say, yes, God, we are in. We commit to daily building a fence, to daily drawing near to you through your word. God, we're so excited about the future. We're so excited about the potential of where you could take us as a church and as individuals. And Lord, we sign on right now and we say yes to you. God, our hearts are hungry. Our hearts are open to see you move in our life in a new way. God, we commit to that now in Jesus' name. And all across this room, everybody said, amen.